Hey guys, if you are struggling to stay focused, I get it. With everything that's going on in the world right now, it feels a little bit like Groundhog's Day. The kids are always here, and so there is no difference between Monday and Saturday. And it's one of those reasons that I want to make sure that you guys know about our Start Today brand. Start Today began with my Start Today journal. Several years ago, I came up with this product for myself that would help me to practice gratitude and to make sure that my goals were crystal clear in my mind as part of my morning routine. At the beginning of this year, I launched my priority planner, which was a way for you to take the biggest goal in your life and break it down into bite-sized pieces so that you could actually start to make traction. So if you have not checked them out yet, oh my gosh, go to starttoday.com and check out our newest line available in Target stores all over the US and of course at target.com. If you know that right now you need to stay on task, you need to stay on target, please check out these products. I think that you will love them as much as I do. Starttoday.com or target.com to start today the right way. I've built something I love and I want to share that and I want to help people build what they love if they want to learn how. If not, you can watch me dance like an idiot and I'll (laughs) In today's episode, I get to finally talk with one of my all-time girl crushes, Allison Faulkner of The Allison Show. If you guys do not already love her, just prepare your hearts for what's about to happen. Today, we're going to talk about the power of building a brand, what it means to build a blog into a business, and what can happen at a dance party. So will you tell us a little bit about um, your childhood, your education? Start there. (laughs) All right. So I grew up in Southern California. Did you really? Yes, in San Diego. Whereabouts? Oh my gosh, I had no idea. Yeah, I went to Poway High School. Okay. And I am terrible at sports and very good at crafts. And (laughs) that was before Pinterest, so crafting was not cool. Yes. So it's easy now to say like crafts and making things, but like I remember taking my embroidery hoop um, in my carry-on and having the airport security guard like stop me because I had a giant <laughs> pair of scissors and I was like it's for my embroidery and, uh, it wasn't cool I was a fat nine-year-old it was not cool but uh, I really <laughs> you know I did um, hemp like macrame and beads yes. and yeah, just a, a loud little uh, kid in San Diego. And then in in high school, I this is so funny talking about like my child. I don't know if this is what you meant. Like my child. Yeah, I want to hear all the things. I didn't make the freshman swim team. My mom went and asked the coach if I could make the team, even though he had already told me no. So that, <laughs> that says that about my mom. Great. And uh, my dad's an entrepreneur. And he really, and and my mom is a writer and a voracious reader and teacher. 
And so I, I always had this love of writing and of English, but then also always loved creating things with my hands mm. and doing conceptual work. And so even in high school, I worked on the newspaper. I wrote for the newspaper, but I would draw pictures to go with my articles. And I would, I was, I think I was the editor of like the center spread, which, mm-hmm. <laughs> which sounds awesome, but I was the editor of the center spread would do feature articles and write. And I also really loved, you know, like greeting cards and stationery and pictures with captions. So in college, I went into advertising, but I was in a creative track. So what that meant is it was a 12-person track and it focused on copywriting and graphic design, but they hadn't really gotten the program ironed out. So I kind of did both. So I had an advertising, I minored in English and graphic design and, you know, just kind of forged my way there, but then went through, you know, like my college or actually my like quarterly existential crisis (laughs) and uh, wanted to do greeting cards. I didn't want to work at like a big agency. So I did an internship with Hallmark Cards. Oh, wow. It was it was super super fun, and then I, after college, I went and worked for a, um, a like a boutique advertising agency in Salt Lake City, which was awesome because I really like campaigns because I really like conceptual work, and yeah. in an advertising campaign is you know a concept that you execute in lots of different ways, which is also I think why I like crafts and I like projects mm-hmm. is a central idea. I like puns and wordplay and writing. I like short format writing. So when I was working at that ad agency, um, I had started a blog shortly before that and I would go in and I would call it my creative exercise. Yes, <laughs> and I sure. W- I would write on my blog every day and it was- And what year, what year was this? Let's see. I think it was 2006. Okay. I love into the world and cheesy as it sounds. I was like, I'm going to do that through writing and just Mm -hmm. sharing, you know? And so because I was working at the ad agency, I was consistently writing on my blog and this was, I didn't have analytics, but you know, whenever I went anywhere, people would say, Oh, I like your blog, you know, Mm -hmm. and not like, like people that I knew, you know? Yes. So I had an idea that people were reading it. I had good engagements, good comments and, uh, you know, that's how I started in this vein. I don't know how much further you want me to go. Yeah. What is most interesting to me, sort of starting off the bat, I think yeah. uh, I know that you speak often at conferences. And when when you're speaking and you get this question from the audience or you get this question online, which is, you know, I want to start a blog or gosh, I don't understand how, how do you have so many Instagram followers or how do you have such mm-hmm. a platform? And I, uh, across the board, myself included, it's like, girl, we've been working on this for a decade. Oh, this is not yeah. like we didn't start this yesterday and suddenly you have a hundred thousand yeah. followers on Instagram. Yeah. This is years of work. I started building a brand before people had personal brands. Yes. And my dad would say, you know, cause he's an entrepreneur, he's a businessman and I'm in advertising and I'm, I'm, I'm really good at branding and conceptual work. Like I love it. And he would just try to hire me and say, start a boutique advertising agency. What are you doing? Do this, do that. And I'd say, I'm building a brand. Yes. And he'd be like, well, what are you going to do with it? And I'm like, 10 years later, still building that brand. Yep. I built it. What am I going to No, I have more yeah. than an idea now. <laughs> yes. 
Yeah. So it was before people were building personal brands because it was before social media mm-hmm. blogs were still Blogspot, where it was mostly my married friends. And on the, on the reader, it said like John and Trisha and you know what I mean? <laughs> so I thought, Oh, if I start a blog and it's not because I'm getting married, I'm like this weirdo narcissist who just wants to talk about herself or write essays. Um, but I got over that real quick as I tend to do. Yeah. And, but yeah, just exactly what you're saying. Like, so when Instagram came on the scene, I already had a, a following of people who I had been talking to for years. And also I worked at Hallmark cards. I worked in advertising, which is essentially writing picture, writing captions to pictures. Yes. Literally have a degree to an extent, right? Like I I knew the concept of the specific universal, which they use in greeting cards where you write a universal message in a way that it feels like you're talking to someone specifically. Mm. And so I applied those concepts when I was writing Instagram captions. That's awesome. Um, And again, I think that it's two parts. It's I do that inherently. They're my natural skills and strengths. And then I found a way to make them applicable to a certain task. And then I'm really bad at everything else. Like yesterday, they left a notice (laughs) on my door saying they're going to turn off my gas at my office. And I got like really upset because I went to all the trouble to like go into like the office and get everything set up. And then my husband explained to me like, there's gas and electric, <laughs> but I thought it was just the one. Yeah, I did. I did one part of that. I'm yeah. I'm just saying like, I knew in theory that there was gas and electric, but like, I thought that I just kind of taken care of it. And it, I felt like really defeated. And I did get pretty upset because I'm like, I literally can't function in society. <laughs> I need like a babysitter. And then I go waltzing into a meeting and I'm like, I'm a genius. Give me money. Yes. Go party. So what I'm saying is I'm bad at some things and I'm good at some things. <laughs> yeah. And hey, and you're making it work. I think that's I think that's a lot of us, by the way. Yeah. And I think you sort of, at least for me personally, just sort of work to a place where you can have someone help you with the things that you're really bad at. Yeah. And you can just focus on the stuff that you're crushing. One of my favorite um, quotes in business is don't do anything that someone else can do for you. Yeah. So like you can book your own travel. You can sign up your own, you know, sign up with the gas company, make sure that it's, you can do those things, but there are certain things that only you, Allison, are capable of doing. Um, So hiring out the person to handle the stuff that they can so that you can just focus on, you know, being the personality and dreaming the big dreams and all of that magical stuff. Tell me about, I mean, I've been following you on Instagram I want to say that I started following you when you announced your pregnancy with your baby and you were dancing. <laughs> Do you remember that video? Like, I don't even know how I saw it. Maybe someone tagged me. I was like, who is this woman and how do I get on this bandwagon immediately? Um, but so tell me, because it feels like even in the last like year and a half or however long ago that was, um, that your business has shifted even so much since then. Can you tell us about what you're doing now and how uh, it has changed over the last couple of years? Definitely. I would, I would say, you know, I joke a lot about how having my existential crisis, you know, my Mm -hmm. corporately existential crisis, but it's actually like a very true and real thing for me. And so I had to get to a place where 
okay, I, I believe that having that existential crisis where you stop and you say, what am I doing? Why am I? Who am I? What's the point? Mm-hmm. Um, I really believe in self-reflection and self-analysis and getting real with yourself and learning the tools to do that. But I also feel like it can become a cycle and a habit. And so instead of making decisions and instead of taking action, you get stuck in that loop, like Groundhog's Day loop of, you know, what's the point? Why? And honestly, I think a lot of that has to do with fear and habit. And it's, it's, it's a habit. It's a bad Mm -hmm. habit. And it's a habit because it's fulfilling some fundamental needs. It's, it's, I just had to stop the habit. But then also, because I'm always doing that, I am always growing and shifting. And like some things I do inherently and branding and building a very strong brand is something that I did do right. So I did a lot of things wrong, but I did that right. I did it from day one. And that I've become kind of a brand evangelist as of late. I'm doing some branding workshop. I'm I'm starting to take on some um, one-on-one clients with branding. Mm-hmm. And um, one of the things that I really believe is when you have a strong brand, it allows you the freedom to shift and pivot and change. Um, because when that brand's in place, you you have that core in place and then you can change your offering and change what you do. So so that's why, yeah, you've seen me shift in the last year and a half. If, you, if you'd been following me for the whole 10 years, you'd be like, wait, what? <laughs> and and do, I, do I lose some people as I shift? Sure. Why do I want them if it's not part of what I'm doing? Of course. And we start to want to hold on and grab. So that's the abstract, concrete to answer. What I focused a lot of time on last year was I did four very large um, dance parties. I created this model of dance party that is an all-female dance party. And how I started was by doing events for other companies. Um, I worked with Microsoft. And then I worked with my friend, uh, Susan Peterson of Freshly Picked. We love dancing. I love doing events. And I said, let me do a dance party for you because I did dance parties in college and I love dancing. And so I did a dance party for Freshly Picked. I kind of, you know, found the model that worked. And then as my brand grew and I was able to shift and kind of see what I wanted to do and deliver, I realized I thought that I thought my audience was just going to be so impressed with these beautiful parties I was throwing that were gorgeous. They, you know, kind of like an oh, happy day. I'm really creative and come look at me and appreciate my creativity is I think what I thought without thinking that consciously. Mm-hmm. And but that's not the brand that I had been building. What I had really been building is what I truly wanted to build. So I'm glad that I did it. But it was, I put myself out there. I dance. I, you know, follow my whims. And so that when I was doing these parties, it wasn't, wow, look at that. It was, I want to be invited. How do I come? Yes. Yeah. And when I saw that shift, I was like, Allison, you idiot. That's what you wanted to do. <laughs> I, I got caught up in myself. And also, again, it goes back to fear. Events are so scary. Yes. You're putting yourself out there in such a vulnerable way. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, that's why it really works with my brand, because that's a big part of my brand is I offer myself up as a sacrificial lamb. Um, with my vulnerability and then people want to reciprocate. And so last year, a big part of it was 
you know, really perfecting that, that model of, I do the large dance party. It's an all female dance party. It's an Allison show dance party. And then I bring on a headline sponsor because, uh, it's a, it's great exposure. It's a great partnership. And I worked with Lou LaRoe mm-hmm. and they wanted to do three dance parties. Those took up a lot of my time. They say that there's, um, there's two ways to like grow and learn hard lessons. And one of them is they call it post-traumatic growth. Post-traumatic growth is when you have like a big hard experience and then you grow and you're changed from it. Mm-hmm. There's two ways to have post-traumatic growth. And one of them is to go through a traumatic experience, right? You mm-hmm. get, you get life altering news. You find out uh, somebody has cancer, a, a, something hard happens to you. Um, and then another way to do it is to put yourself through a hard experience, maybe like training for a marathon or throwing extremely stressful or large dance parties. <laughs> if you're a people pleaser perfectionist who maybe has some kinks to iron out in what needs you're trying to fulfill and you're a puddle under your desk crying because you can't control the feelings of 700 women, you know? Yes. Like, so by the fourth dance party and 10 years of doing business and growing and figuring out what I want to do, I kind of feel like a new Allison this year, 2017 (laughs) Allison. And it's, I'm just not going to be afraid anymore of doing the things I want to do. And I'm coming from a place of strength. I've learned these really valuable lessons. I've built something I love and I want to share that. And I want to help people build what they love if they want to learn how. If not, yeah. you can watch me dance like an idiot and I'll you. you know? <laughs> well, I, I think there's something. Whatever you want, mama. Yes, whatever you need. I think there's something really interesting about this that um, – two things. One is, uh, you know, C.S. Lewis said the most powerful words in the English language are me too. So when you put yourself out there, when you make yourself vulnerable, you give permission for other women to do the same. What we do here at Chic and what um, I so admire about you is this idea. You've talked about hard stuff. You talk about good stuff. You talk about like, I have three kids and I feel like my hair is on fire. Um, But it gives other women permission. It's like getting up and dancing um, literally and figuratively. It's giving other women like, get up, get out of, get off your seat, try something new. It doesn't matter what you look like um and there's so much power in that for like I think we forget when we're in these sort of bigger spaces or you have a platform that there are women right now at home with their kids who the idea of um dancing in a room full of people is as scary as like doing a TED talk would be to somebody else um so that there's so much power in the simplicity of like I'll go first Mm-hmm. Um, and it has been so, um, such a pleasure. There's a handful of women that I follow online and you're one of them. It's such a pleasure to see other women who I feel like have that same desire, which is to encourage other women to try, just try something, just change it up, just get out there. Um, you have control over feeling good, feeling bad, whatever you do with this day. So just from, let me fangirl you for a minute and tell you how much I have appreciated watching that. Um, the other thing that I think is really interesting and important for people to hear is that you, me, all of these people that you might see online, we still get scared. 
It's still we're we're producing our first um, live events, um, not a dance party, though. Golly, I wish we were. I want to do under the sea just like you. Um, No, we're producing our first live event. And um, every once in a while, I catch myself thinking like the audacity of thinking that people are going to show up for a whole weekend for something that you like, how dare I? Um, So so I think it's important for women listening to understand it's not that we're not scared. It's just that we do it anyway. Y'all, we are doing a community-wide challenge, and it's totally free, and I am challenging you to join us. It's called Next 90 Days, as in how can we be intentional, thoughtful leaders for the next 90 days? We're going to need our community. We're going to need accountability more than ever. So I want you to head over to theholliscode.com slash next 90. That's theholliscode.com slash N-E-X-T nine zero and join us. Every single week, Dave and I will be teaching on a different topic, things like perspective or reaching for joy or dealing with anxiety in these crazy times. We are going to give you so many free resources and surround you with community. When we did this at the end of last year, we had 650,000 people sign up and we feel like it can be bigger than ever. Come together in a community of like-minded people and let's learn how to choose our mindset no matter what is happening in the world around us. I Yes, it's not that we're not scared. And the interesting thing is, I think it's really easy to sit back and yeah, I throw this dance party and 700 women come and then I do it again. And it's like, well, it should be easy because I'm doing it again. It actually not only is scary, it's more it's it's more terrifying in that there's more expectations yes. up to. There's more money involved. There's more um, people are paying more for tickets. I don't want to disappoint people. Mm-hmm. I've got more employees to handle. And because I've already done it, people have something to compare it to. And can it possibly live up to the hype? And yes, again, at the end of the day, the audacity Who do I think I am to have Mm -hmm. a custom jumpsuit made for myself (laughs) to get up on a stage, have my husband, who's a music producer, write a song, uh, what I I called a hit dance song. Um, (laughs) I don't sing, but then it seemed really funny and like a good idea. And then I go to do it and I'm like, I don't, I'm not Katy Perry. I don't think I'm Katy Perry. Like, but the most surprising thing that I found and the dance party started as me just wanting to do a dance party. Cause I love to dance. And then people would say, well, what are you going to wear? And I was mm. like, freak, I'm doing a whole dance party for you. Why do you want, why do I need to get dressed up for you too? <laughs> because I, and then it was like, Oh, I'm like part of the fun. It's, yeah. And again, it's, it's the same idea of when I commit so hard, it gives people the permission to commit and it's by making it more about me in some ways it actually makes it less about me Mm -hmm. and so getting to that point was really hard even for myself with the dance parties and and the way that I do them I I you know I kind of just would like say hi and you know party started there was two or three hundred people that was the size and then one time I was uh 
I was pregnant with my second baby or third. I think it was the third baby. And uh, I just have the three. And uh, I was like, well, I'm pregnant. I can't dance as much. So I want to be carried in on this throne. And but then I was super embarrassed to do it, even though people would think, of course, she wants to do it. That's why I threw the party. And no, I threw the parties so that other people could dance. Yeah. You know, but how do I get people to dance by dancing myself? Yes. And, and so, so back to like your question of fear. Yes. It seems like it gets easier and in some ways it does, but then the scale shifts. And as the scale shifts, if you stop and think about it, it can be so terrifying. You won't continue. Yes. And so my advice is don't think about it. <laughs> yep. Yep. Just jump. Yeah. Uh, there, there's an old quote that courage isn't the absence of fear. It is being afraid, but doing it anyway. Yeah. Um, so that. as you look into 2017, do you feel like live events are still a big part of what you're going to do? Or are you going to branch out in other ways? You know, I have some really fun ideas. But in January, I launched three projects that I have been wanting to do for years. Mm. And really this, this shift and this liberation and energy for me is, I mean, I just 2017 started, I, the parties were done and boom, I got all of these things done that I had literally been talking about for years. So I launched my podcast, Awesome with Allison, my husband and I, uh, it's just, my only intention is that every time people listen, they feel a little more awesome. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, I love podcasts and they, they can be serious and offer lots of tools or they can be really light and friv frivolous, which I mm -hmm. appreciate both. And so I try to mix the two because that's mm -hmm. what I wanted with a podcast. So we, we started it, we did it. And I'd been talking about it for years, you that's know, so awesome. and then I did, um, this year of awesome challenge that I'm currently doing right now, which is it's my newsletter, but every month I pick an awesome attribute of the month that I feel has helped me. It's never about being more awesome. It's about feeling more awesome because I, gen mm. I genuinely believe that we are already as awesome as we need to be. We just mm -hmm. have to, like uncover it, right? Yes. And so every month I have a new theme. For January, it was enthusiasm. For February, it's courage. I have a new one for March. And then I have weekly challenges that help you um, cultivate that attribute. And then I, I, it's a free downloadable calendar. I'd had the idea for a long time and I sit down to write these challenges and I'm pulling from the experience of everything that I've used to get to over the last 10 years to get to this place I'm at now, mm -hmm. you know, and, and I'm so excited to share it and it makes me so happy. And then also, like I said, I love branding. I, I love it's just so creative and exciting. And I, what this brand has enabled me to do in my life, like I want to, anybody who has an idea or a business and they're feeling stuck, I want to be able to help them feel the way that I feel with my brand. Mm -hmm. And I sat down and it was super scary because I did parties all last year. And if you meet me at a conference, you know that I love talking about branding and business, but just if you don't really pay attention on the internet, I might just seem like some idiot girl who dances. <laughs> you know, I spent a lot of time maybe resenting that, like, I'm smart, I've got stuff to say. And now I'm like, what, what harm is it if people don't think I'm smart, and people don't think I have things to say if I'm still providing a little bit of light or happiness to them? <laughs> you know, again, it was my own ego getting in the way. But then also letting go of 
I really feel strongly about the information I have to share. I genuinely believe it could help people. So I'm going to create it. And I created a branding course and I just put up an Instagram post and was like, I'm doing a branding course. And and I sold out two workshops and now I'm trying to decide what that's going to look like going forward. So live events, back to your question. Hi, long answer. Um, (laughs) I might, and I might not. And when's the next dance party? And I'm like, you know what? Again, I could be mad. Why aren't you appreciating all the other things I'm doing? But at the same time, I'm like, how awesome and how fortunate am, am I to create a product that people are asking for? Hey guys, we'll be back in a hot minute with more of this interview, but now a quick word from a sponsor. Want to listen to an audiobook that'll make you feel better about your crappy job? Party Girl takes listeners on an adventure among Hollywood's most beautiful and most outrageous people, revealing the ugly side of Hollywood's prettiest parties. The entire Girl series is now available on Audible, and it's read and written by me. <laughs> Discover the world of Audible Originals today at audible.com. I think um, what what I find so I want to like be in a hotel like bar with you somewhere and talk about this for four hours at some point. But what I find so um, interesting about something that you just said, because it sounds so similar to my own journey in the last year of for the longest time um, being this person who um, being this personality online and being known for a handful of very specific things, because Mm -hmm. that's sort of the space that you're allowed to exist in. So for me, my space is decorating your home recipes, kind of a um, a Martha Stewart type thing, because Mm -hmm. that is what you're, uh, this is like my own lots of therapy coming through here, but like, that's what I feel like I'm allowed to represent. And there is a similar space of, I've also built this company from scratch. I've also worked so hard. I also have so much wisdom to share, but I feel like that is not the space that I have allowed myself to inhabit. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I think there's something really interesting about hearing that I am not the only woman and probably people who are listening to this find themselves in similar um, scenarios where you have always kind of done one thing because that is what your personality or your family or your friends have come to know you as. Mm-hmm. Um, but we are so much more than just that one thing. Yeah. Um, and, and I think it's so scary to step outside of at least for me to kind of embrace like the business side of things, because that's something I'm really proud of, but it's not something I have talked about a lot. And that's honestly why this podcast happened was because I thought not enough women are being acknowledged. Like you didn't accidentally fall into the number of Instagram um, fans that you have. You didn't accidentally sell out um, workshops. And And that's the interesting part is, you know what? There are some people who did. There are Mm -hmm. some people who did accidentally fall into the number of Instagram followers that they have. And there are some people who um, did stumble on a product that makes them millions of dollars and they think that they figured something out. And and they probably did figure something out if they sustained it, but they also Mm -hmm. might have just had a really good idea and and it was a perfect storm, you know? Um, and so then what happens is now we're in this unique position with social media where some people did 
stumble upon the things and then their teaching principles. And then there are people who built it and their teaching principles. And who do you listen to? You know what I mean? Like I'm, 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 I'm with you, but it's also, it's really interesting because we can, I guess my point is we can start to, I'm like, well, I worked really hard for the, for this following and I did this and I did that, but then there's pigs on Instagram who have more Instagram followers than me, (laughs) like actual pigs and cats and high school cheerleaders. Yep. Totally. And, and, and at the end of the day, it, it comes back to, I think exactly what you're saying, but the skills that we used to build it, that's, that's the real value that we gained. Absolutely. Instagram is changing and the algorithm is taking things away from us and Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because we have, we have skills that are applicable anywhere. Right. Do you deal, um, do you get a lot of trolls? Do you have people who are hateful or do you mostly have an audience online that's very kind and respectful? I really believe that your online audience is like a garden and that people kind of have different philosophies with gardens. If you go to like a celebrity account, they let the weeds grow rampant. Yeah. And if you if you don't pull out the weeds or address the weeds, they start to take over. And then also I do believe that just kind of like a wild garden that is is really big, once you kind of hit a certain number or and it's not like a magic number that you can mm-hmm. put a hat. Um, I am definitely feeling a tipping point where I have been in a, a nice, safe bubble. Um, mm-hmm. and, and there's people who say mean things about me and there's people who leave mean comments. Sure. But also like I'm in there responding and I'm in there talking and I'm to an extent, I I've been at a scale where just mean trolls aren't an issue and I've been on platforms where they're not an issue. But as you do things like a podcast and, you know, I'm working on a book and when you start to move into those verticals, yep, for lack of a better word, um, you just open yourself up more. But this is what it comes down to. Um, I think it's actually easier to grow on social media by not saying anything. Yes. It's just easier to be um, palatable and not say much. And and I don't want to, I don't want that to sound like I'm dismissing people who only talk about recipes or fashion because that's important and that offers value. And I res- and it is not easy to do. But when you move into the type of topics that we are moving into, mm-hmm. um, you're igniting feelings in people. So yeah, people get meaner. One of one of the things that I have really taken on in the last year is the idea that if you, because um, I definitely get hateful comments and people yeah. that get angry, and I'm with you. Um, I don't even we don't even play like we you if you're vicious and mean you will be blocked immediately just because I want to create a space where. Um, this tribe feels comfortable commenting and saying things. One of the valuable things that I've taught myself over the last year is if you are getting upset with me, if you're a fan and you're getting upset with me online, you aren't really upset with me. You are upset with your vision of me. 
Yeah. So I have now stepped outside of some bounds that you had me and some idea that you had for who I was. I said something, um, I mentioned who I was voting for, or I talked about Syrian refugees or whatever it was, and you decided that I think differently than you do, and now you're mad. When the reality is you don't actually know me personally. Even if I am as authentic as I possibly can be, you still just know an online persona. You're not friends with me in my real life life. Yeah. So I, as a people pleaser, oh my, I used to, I would cry so hard because someone didn't like something or got mad or I felt like I had let them down. And I really learned in the last year, like, oh no, no, you, this is just your, your perception of me. It actually has nothing to do with who I am personally. Yeah. You know, um, so I, I, we started our podcast, you know, it's, it's Apple, it's iTunes, it's reviews, and people can go on and they can leave you a one-star review. And even mm-hmm. if you have a hundred five-star reviews, you're like, but I got a one-star review. Yes. I, I post the podcast. I'm super excited about it. It is met with nothing but overwhelming support, enthusiasm, love, emails, outpouring, showering of goodness. And I get one person complaining about something and I should quit. I yeah, that's all up. you hear. Yeah. And I, it's, I'm 100% not acknowledging the positive, but we have a negativity bias. It's hardwired mm-hmm. in us, you know? Yep. And um, I talked to my dad about it. You know, he's an entrepreneur and they used to do sales calls for this program that they were selling back in the day. And, you know, you think like Michael Scott, like house to house sales call or business to business sales calls, mm-hmm. you know? And he was said that he decided that if they didn't have like a 5% complaint rate, that they weren't selling hard enough because mm-hmm. they didn't want to make so many people upset. They wanted, they had a good product. They wanted to sell it. They wanted to share it. But if they weren't making at least a couple people um, feel passionate enough to respond, then they probably weren't pushing hard enough. Yeah. And it it honestly kind of blew my mind open. Like that person responded so negatively because I was standing for something. Yes. And again, like I'm not... I'm not just walking around throwing my opinions around willy nilly. Like I have my values and intentions in place and I check them every single time I go to share in a conversation online. And I say, am I sharing this for any reason that is not the reason I should be sharing it? And what are my, what are the values that are motivating me to share this? And I found that if I can answer to that, then when people get upset or somebody says something negative or maybe I don't get the response I want, I spend a lot of time on it and nobody listens or responds mm-hmm. um, that I have to, again, it's the perfectionist people pleaser in us. I, I have to say, you know what? I did the best I could. Yeah. And, and also kind of seeing it as this, you know what? I was brave and I said something that really um, ignited a response, both positive and negative. Mm-hmm. Um, that's really scary for me because I don't like people thinking negatively. And, and so I'm like, okay, like this is, you know, brave new Allison doing, yes. doing scary things. Yes. Well, I think too, when you've worked so hard to develop a tribe or an audience, and then you feel like, 
on some level, you've let them down because you said mm-hmm. something that they didn't want to hear. Yeah. Um, and I've had people say really, I, I, I really hateful things. And I don't think of myself as super divisive, but there are definitely topics that I feel very passionately about. Mm-hmm. And when you are seeing things that are happening, it feels it feels disingenuous to not speak up for the stuff that really bothers you. It feels like I know that I could say nothing and I'll just continue to gain followers by having this really like vanilla, like nobody, you know, I'm not ruffling feathers one way or the other, but how hurtful to the people who are being affected by this and who think of people that they follow online as leaders and you, you as a leader aren't saying anything about it. So I also feel like I never want um, – my husband always says people are only upset when they're surprised. And I never want people to meet me in person and go – you know, and have me start talking about you know, how passionately I feel about inclusion, let's say, and everybody feeling like they're loved and accepted for who they are. And then you meet me in person and you're really pissed because I'm telling you that – um, my my hope is that you just know that because I'm being so authentic everywhere, online, in person, in my books. Yeah. Um, so it just feels like there's no – you meet Allison and it turns out she's actually a jerk and she punches everybody in the face. Like that's super disappointing. <laughs> I just – I think that, um, again, you know, back back to branding, I, I do think – it, it comes down to this idea, though, that like you are not your brand, even though, you know, Chic or Rachel Hollis is your brand. Like it can't it can't accu- accurately represent you three dimensionally. Yes. And, and it shouldn't. Yes. Because that's not the point of it. And yeah. so I, I like to say um, so for me, what I had to do is, yes, I'm I believe that if and I have been told if you meet me in person, you're like, you're exactly like I thought yep. you were going to be. Yep. But at the same time, I like to think that hopefully there's even more dimension and more than you thought there was going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, as we were discussing earlier, social media just, it it can only represent so much. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's why I love podcasts and I love writing. But at the same time, I used to feel obligated to speak to every topic. and And again, that might be part of what you want to do or what somebody else wants to do. But Mm -hmm. for me, it is this idea of, you know, like I don't love talking about parenting, for example, because when I talk about parenting, I find that it opens myself up to conversations. I'm not interested in having with people on social media. Yeah. And my best friend of like 20 years is Jessica Dahlquist and she does the Extraordinary Moms podcast. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I totally know her. She's the best. She's a genius. She's brilliant. I'm obsessed with her. And she loves talking about parenting so much she has a podcast. Yes. And I don't like talking about parenting on my platforms. And people want me to talk about it all the time. Does that mean I'm not a parent because I don't like talking about it? I'm like, I've just defined things that, you know, aren't to my detriment to discuss in an open setting. Yes. And and does that mean I still talk about scary things that are divisive and make people dislike me? Yeah. Yeah. But like you said, they're important to you and you want to make sure that you're representing yourself accurately. But then also I don't talk about certain things, not because I don't believe in them, and but just because they're not part of my mission right now, but they yes. might be in a couple of years. 
at the end of the day, it is a brand built around you as a person. And we, God willing, continue to grow and change yeah. and become new people. So the brand will evolve with us yeah. in the same way that the brand evolves. Um, you know, if you have if you have something based around you, your life is evolving because right now your parent you're the parent of young children versus when they're teenagers i that's got to be something else entirely exactly. um so your life changes and therefore i feel like the brand changes mm. as well i haven't asked you any of the normal questions i'm supposed to ask cuz i just want to hear all the things um is there a book that has been particularly helpful to you in your career i just love so many books i just can't say what i just i read a book a week now, Do you really? Yeah. Do you read nonfiction or fiction or I both? I read almost exclusively nonfiction. Occasionally, mm-hmm. I'll occasionally I'll get into bouts of fiction. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually recently am trying to like not force myself to read fiction, but see the value in fiction again, just because mm-hmm. I, I do, I do see a lot of value in fiction, you know? Yes. Um, but I love nonfiction. I love business books. I love, you know, self-improvement books. I love, uh, research kind of marketing books. Mm-hmm. Did you read, I was just asking my Allison who's sitting here. Did you read big magic? Okay. I put off reading that book. <laughs> I, I just, I had preconceived notions. It's freaking amazing. It's so good. It's life changing. It's interesting. It is. I, I think that big magic as is as important as Stephen Pressfield's The War of Art. Yeah. And do you yeah. like The War of Art? Yeah, Allison's sitting here going, I love that book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, it's I so good. To to the creative process and to life, mm-hmm. I believe that both of those books, I think that Big Magic is as influential and important. And what I love about Big Magic is her, Elizabeth Gilbert's perspective asked after creating something that is so wildly successful, she cannot duplicate that success mm-hmm. because I, it really speaks to me. I'm always trying to outdo myself. I'm always trying to over deliver past my expectations and my expectations are endless. And so I loved hearing her speak to how to continue creating after you've, yes, after she wrote Eat, Pray, Love. You know, and regardless of how you feel, so that's the thing is regardless of how you feel about that book, just shelf, like whether you love it or hate it, it doesn't matter. Big magic is just different. And I, and I'm, I'm obsessed with it. Yeah. I love when she talks about Harper Lee. And yes. wishing that Harper Lee had just, after she did To Kill a Mockingbird, she would have just published like a romantic comedy, yeah. a cowboy book, a, a crappy like crime fiction, whatever, just so that she could have gotten herself out of the place of trying to match or beat or whatever because it's impossible. Um, but yeah. then she missed this opportunity to keep creating um, in that field because you can't surpass your first book. And, and at the same time too, it's like, but I love how Elizabeth Gilbert, you know, she, she talks about writing fiction or not writing fiction and she wrote, you know, she wrote a companion memoir to eat, pray, love. And it was a memoir probably similar in genre, but does the fact that it's not going to be as big as eat, pray, love, keep her from writing it? No. Does the fact that, um, a party I'm going to produce might not be bigger and more over the top than another party. Keep me from producing it. Maybe (laughs) that's where, that's where I have to get like ugly real with myself and be like, 
what you know yeah um, but I but again like just like how we were again talking about how our brand shifts and we evolve for me I don't think it's so much that the the brand shifts it's that what I'm offering evolves and shifts yes and and it does shift the brand does shift because just like you said I'm growing as a person and, and we're growing as people but there are core tenants that have always remained the same and that is what enables you to have a core group that sticks with you. Yeah. Right? And yeah. that that I think it's really easy to stop being grateful for that and take it for granted and forget to remember those people who have stuck around and are there and investing and I you know I have my my phrase that I share all the time invest in people who invest in you and people are always asking me how do I grow my Instagram how do I grow this how do I do this how do I do that and it is that is the answer you invest in the people who are investing in you you don't look around at the million people who aren't following you and start grabbing at them you see a thousand people who are investing in you and just give them so much that they get more more people on board. Yes, I also feel like I mean just this is this is so relevant for everybody listening who's trying to grow a yeah. social platform. If I have success at all, it is because for as long as I have been doing social media, I write back to everyone. At the very least, we like comments. We want you to know that you are seen. You're better than me. I, I can't write back to everyone anymore, but I'm appreciative, appreciative yes. to everyone. It's so <laughs> we, we literally have someone on staff whose job it is to go through and like thousands of photos or, or all of the comments that we get in a day because yeah. I want you to know that you are seen. I think it yeah. is the thing that most women are craving so badly is yeah. they just want to be known. And in this small way, we are in this tribe together. I want you to know that we saw what you put out there. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that is a great piece of wisdom for somebody who's trying to grow in this space is take care of the tribe you have, even if it's only 50 people. Exactly. Because I mean, you think about it, even you go, let's say you go to a party and there's 10 people there and there are supposed to be a hundred people there. The hostess has two decisions. The first decision is to be so embarrassed and to, to talk about the 90 people who didn't show up and just to talk about all those 90 people and why didn't they come or her second decision is to look at the 10 people in the eye and be so grateful for, that they're there yeah. and just make the memories and the time and invest. And it's just when we, it's, we think about it like person to person, it makes total sense. But then when we go into the abstract with the online world, it is so easy to just think about the clients and the followers that we don't have. And, um, that, how does that make the 10 people who are at the party feel? Yeah. Right. Like they're not valued at all. Yeah. Yeah. Like why, why would I bother showing up? Yeah. So I, we have, we asked the same five questions. I asked the same five questions in every um, podcast interview, just because these are the things that I wonder about other women in business. Okay. Uh, what time do you wake up in the morning? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I already like the answer. So I'm in a special little bubble of life right now where I have a one-year-old who will sleep till nine or nine thirty. Sometimes yes. I have um, my three-year-old and my six-year-old. My three-year-old goes to preschool two days a week, and my six-year-old goes to afternoon kindergarten. And so, honestly, a lot of days I don't have to get up and get going till like 
after nine and and getting the preschooler to um, preschool. It starts at nine. I'm late every single time. (laughs) And I was really hard on myself about this because like early to bed, early to rise. But my husband and I, we both work for ourselves. We both do crazy hours. And whether I'm working at night or I'm having creative time at night or I'm watching RuPaul's Drag Race, <laughs> that, that time is really important to me. Yeah. And, you know, I was up till 2.30 a.m. last night editing a podcast. And um, with my husband, it's not always going to be like this next year my my ginger will go to first grade and will have to be up earlier. So I've just decided for this year to like get off my own case about being the type of person who doesn't go places before nine or 10 a.m. <laughs> I love that. I love that. That is such a good like embrace the season you're in and stop beating yourself up. It's going to be it's going to be different next year. And I know I, I do like getting up early and getting my exercise in at the beginning of the day. But right now, a lot of times I work out late at night. So mm-hmm. Just got to do what we got to do. Yeah, do do what works for you. Yeah. Um, are you a coffee drinker? And if so, what is your order? So I do drink the caffeine in copious amounts, but I'm a Diet Coke. You're a soda person. I'm a yeah, soda. I want to like travel to Utah just to have this soda. So what I get is there's a local soda shop. Well, they're growing. So um, they're called So Delicious. And I do a Diet Coke with sugar-free coconut syrup and fresh lime. And it's – but that is what – the funny thing is they actually have a drink named after me. I know. Yeah, I have seen (laughs) this. My drink drink is Diet Coke with cranberry syrup and fresh lime. But when I had – which is so delicious and what you should get when you come. But when I – started seeing the reality the syrup has more calories than you think Rachel and it's fine if you just have one a day but if you're having two (laughs) it's like I was just straight up eating Snickers candy bars and I didn't realize it and again it's totally fine to eat a whole candy bar if you realize that you're shoving a candy bar in your mouth yes so that's my drink. I 100% understand that coffee would be more healthy and that chemicals are awful but I just I don't. Whatever. We all we all have our things. I'm I'm drinking coffee, but it's got sugar free stuff in it. That's chemically yeah. all yeah. day. So whatever. Again, I reserve the right to care five years from now. Great. I'll- I think it's a great plan. I like that. Everyone should adopt that. I'll care at some point, not yeah. today. Yeah. Um. Are when you travel, um, what is the one travel item that you feel like is essential? Um. I think that. I actually was thinking about this recently and whether it's traveling like on a plane or just in my car, like if you ever were to like bury me, it would be with a pair of like headphones, like earbuds. Yeah. Because because I, um, I listen to so many books and podcasts. I've tried to really make it a habit that I don't talk on the phone unless I'm walking. Oh, that's a great rule. And so if I take a phone call, even in the dead of winter in Utah, I just put on a jacket and I go outside and I walk. And so I really think like it's the the earbuds, the the headphones, that's all I need in life. Yep. Do you have a favorite workout and how often do you do it? So, you know, I, I got really into the habit of walking recently lost a lot of weight, which was part of like the energy shift. And it Mm -hmm. was, I I just, I did a podcast episode about it and 
yes, it has to do with the weight, but it had everything to do with being healthy, healthy. And so for me, part of being healthy was walking more. I used to run marathons. I actually have a marathon I'm signed up for in a few months, but I just love running. And I just, again, I decided right now for this season in my life, the mental benefits are the most important part of the workout to me. And so, Absolutely. um, I get that most from walking and running. And I just, I feel like people underestimate walking. They think that they're not running and they're embarrassed and walking is so good. I love yeah. walking so much. And then I, and I love running too. So very simple walking, running. <laughs> yeah. No, that's, those are mine too. So I, I feel you. Um, so the podcast is called Deus. Deus is a platform from which you speak. And I ask every person who comes on, if you could speak to women today, if there's one thing that you feel like women today are really just missing the mark on, if you could just like shake their shoulders and tell them one thing that they need to be doing that you feel like was so helpful for you and would be helpful for them, what would you say? Like, what's your soapbox? If you could get on a soapbox. I have so many soapboxes, but I think <laughs> like one that would apply to people universally, regardless of, you know, socio socioeconomic background or if they want to do a business or if they want to be at home with kids, I just think it would be like your worth is not dependent on what you do. You have inherent value and inherent worth and your gifts and talents uh, are are important and needed. And by simply existing and striving to exist um, in, a, in a place of happiness or peace. And, and I say that with, that with acknowledging that, you know, light is defined by darkness. Mm. And we we get into this mindset that we need to only have positive feelings and then we get all these tools for cultivating positive feelings. And so then when we have negative feelings, we've failed. And, and what is, what is that doing? It's placing value on what we're doing rather than just our values and who we are intrinsically as human beings. And I think that as a doer, as a maker, as a creator, that's the message I need to look at myself and say every single day. Yeah. And if I could beat it into my own head, I would, and I would love other people to feel that way too, because as I move towards that, <laughs> the, the irony is I am free to create and do more because my whole value and existence does not hinge on the success of or failure of what it is I am doing. Yes. Right. Oh, so good. So that's, that's it today. Call yes. me. Yes. It might be different. Yeah. It might be different. <laughs> um, Girl, thank you so, so much for taking time out today. I feel like I'm sure everyone listening knew you already and we're so excited to hear from you. But as someone who has admired you and your work for so long, it just tickles me pink to get to speak to you on the phone for an hour. Yes, um, so, And I cannot wait. I mean, I'm already watching what 2017 has been for you so far. I can't wait to see what you do next. Thank you so much to Allison for joining us today. If you want to find out more about her, and you definitely do, be sure and check out her blog, theallisonshow.com, and all of her social media. She's going to be your new best girlfriend. 
Hey guys, if you like this episode, I hope you will consider subscribing to the Deus podcast on iTunes, sharing it with your friends and showing some love on social media. For a newbie show like mine, those reviews are everything. Thanks to our producer, Allison Cohen, our sound engineer, Jack Noble, and our sound editor, Andrew Weller. To stay in touch with all things Deus, you can check out thechicsite.com or follow me on social media. I am Ms. Rachel Hollis on every single platform. Most importantly, I hope you heard something today that inspires you. I'll see you next week.